0: Hi there i'm courtney
1: and i'm emily
0: and this is the mostly awkward
1: podcast the place where it's completely acceptable to be scared of the stupid stuff
0: Emily and I say again because this is our second time recording this episode yeah today. a couple of audio issues yeah I had the worst echo in the entire world and I'm really sorry if I have an echo still I am trying my absolute best Recording she's audio.
1: <laughs> she's recording in a darkened attic <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah I'm literally sitting in my attic right now like looking out my creepy window. I'm having some major audio issues because I just moved and my house is like an empty shell. We have no floors, no bathrooms, nothing is going on in here and because there's no furniture the acoustics in here are just They're just terrible everywhere (laughs) that I record.
1: And it was just awful. And the multitude of problems that you've had go on just doesn't lead to... uh...
0: Yeah, like the fact that I took a shower the other day and water started pouring out of my kitchen ceiling. (laughs) Don't think that's how plumbing is supposed to work. Not a
1: contractor, but I don't don't think that's how plumbing works.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it's just been a shit show. And we're actually recording this. It's midnight for me over here in the Netherlands and our episode comes out in six hours. So we're re- gonna record, I'm gonna edit this, and we're gonna release it right away. <laughs> but our our lives have been insane lately. Like just insane. The past
1: month, both of us, it's just utter chaos.
0: Chaos is the only word to describe it. Like not only am I dealing with my house issues, I had company here for the past three weeks in my little shell of a house. I honestly feel like a little squatter in here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No furniture, no nothing. And yeah, Yeah. and like I'm in the middle of a job transition, like I just started my new job today and so I've been trying to like train someone to take my place at my old location and it was, uh, yeah, barely had a minute to think, let alone work on a podcast. But we're here, we're doing it, so. Yeah, we're doing it. Even though
0: it's midnight, we're doing it. (laughs) So that shows how dedicated I am to this
1: because my bedtime is nine o'clock. She also, we recorded the original (laughs) episode and she emailed me and was like, or messaged me and was like, no, (laughs) no, we have to re-record it. It's too echoey. I
0: really, I really, really tried to get over the echo and just be like, okay, we can have one episode that doesn't have good quality audio, but... That didn't work out. (laughs) No. (laughs) I just couldn't get over it. It was too bad. It was like torture for me to listen to. So I was like, Emily, let's record it again. And it really sucks because that episode was so funny. Like I was laughing my head off when I was editing it, when I wasn't crying because of my echo.
1: But we're going to aim. We're going to aim for the same level. Same level.
0: So we're going to try and keep the funny and get rid of the echo. So (laughs) here's hoping. All right, so what's on the agenda for today? We are talking about irrational fears. So sometimes, well, I think this goes for most people, but especially maybe if you're a little bit awkward, you have some fears that pop up
1: in your life. Mostly irrational. <laughs> mine, are, <laughs> mine don't make sense. I'm not going to, yeah. I've developed some weird uh, fears and idiosyncrasies because of because of my awkwardness in situations. Um,
0: yeah, some coping mechanisms.
1: Yeah, so I guess my fears and idiosyncrasies develop because, like, a situation occurs and it happens to me, and then my brain decides that that situation can never happen again, can't ever happen again. If it if it happened the first time and I barely lived through it, I won't live through it a second time. <laughs> so it was terrible. <laughs> We're gonna make sure it never encou- we never encounter that ever again. And I think one a really good example of that is. Um, I was uh, younger, and I was in a car with my sister and her friend, and her friend was driving, and I wasn't able to drive yet, so I was, like, 15-ish, and that would mean that they were around 18. So we were in, like, my town, should have been a safe place, should have been good to go, but um, we were on, like, the busiest road, and they were going, uh, she was going to park on... Like a parallel parking situation. And she started to back in. Everything was fine. She turned the wheel to meet the curb. Like everything worked out that way. And then she just didn't turn the wheel to angle back in. And so the car ended up horizontally in the road and we were blocking traffic and everyone was honking at us. And I was just like curled up in the backseat, praying for it to be over because I was very convinced we were going to die. Um, but she, she was fine. Like, she was not scarred by this at all. She thought this was, like, funny. She could fix it. It was easy breezy. And she, she did. Like, she did fix the park. But, like, that was a terrifying situation for me because so many people were inconvenienced and there was so much honking. And then, so, like, my brain was like, that will never happen to us. So, I, I put off getting my license for a very long time. I don't, I didn't get my, my actual license that I can, like, drive with, um, until I was 22. So, yeah, like, I got my, my G1 when i was in university with courtney and brie uh and that's already late because in ontario you can get your license when you're 16 so i didn't get mine until i was at least 19 or 20 uh and then i didn't get my g2 uh because we have a graduated licensing system uh i didn't get my g2 until i was about 22 um and then i let it expire <laughs> twice <laughs> so twice. yeah so like i took i love that about you <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, dude, come on.
1: <laughs> Just let it go. Um, yeah, so I did, like, my G1 and then my G2, and you get five years on your G2. So I let it expire. And then I had to retake my G1. I failed the G. <laughs> G1, G2, failed my G test, had to retake my G1, um, retake my G2, and then I almost let my G2 expire again. And then my mom was like, stop it, you idiot. <laughs> go get your license. Um But it was like right in 2020. So COVID was happening and everything was shut down. And I remember it reopened and I called them immediately and was like, get me in wherever. Um, And so I ended up having to drive my G test in Woodstock, which is uh, like an hour-ish, hour and 15 maybe away from me. Which was like better and worse because it like wasn't in my town and so I didn't really know a lot of stuff, but I also know the driving instructors in my town specifically have a reputation for being like very difficult to pass with. And I have anxiety, so obviously that didn't help me on that first test. Um, but yeah, on my second one, I got pulled over by emergency vehicles uh, three times. And then because that <laughs> because that happened to me, I think myself and the driving instructor were both flustered. Like she was like, this never happens. I'm so sorry. Um, we got all the way back to the like testing center, and we pulled into the parking lot. And she was like, oh, "I didn't make you parallel." And I was like, "That's okay. <laughs> we don't <laughs> That's perfectly okay. I've been avoiding it for years. We don't have to." Um... <laughs> um, and then she we don't have to discuss. That <laughs> yeah, <one. laughs> and then she actually was just like, "You can just back in because it's the same maneuvers." And like, not to sound overly confident, but I'm actually really good at backing in. So I was like, "Cool, <laughs> let's do it." Backed in, and then she was like, "Bam, you have your license." So. You know, spend, whoop, whoop. spent spent years, spent years <laughs> avoiding that parallel park, uh, and it paid off in the end. But I mean, don't take don't take that as advice. Don't do that. <laughs> Bad call. <laughs> Would do it differently if I could do it over.
0: I think parallel parking is everyone's fear. I avoid it at all costs too. It if I don't have to do it, I will not do it. And I think in Europe, that's like. All they do, and they can squeeze their tiny little cars into the weirdest little places. That gives me via parallel parking. That gives me so
1: much anxiety. Like honestly, if someone honks at me while I'm parallel parking, I'll just drive away. I don't need that spot. Same. I don't need to be there. It wasn't that important. It. Listen, I've yeah. been waiting a month for this doctor's appointment, but I can book another one, and I'll just like <laughs> drive away. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to be here. I don't need to be here this bad. <laughs> but it's it's kind of the same thing for me. I just like have a lot of driving anxiety anyways. And I, I really hate to like put other people out. So <laughs> left hand turns, like turning into like across traffic. I won't, uh, if I can avoid it. And I live in a small town. So it's like more manageable for me to be like, I can just go a different way. And it'll like, but if it's a longer route, if it like adds 10 minutes onto my drive, I'll still take it if it means that I don't have to do a turn across <laughs> traffic. Yeah, because you just, only turn right. I only, I'm like a Zoolander. I can't, I can only really go one way. Uh, it's just bad because if it's not like, don't drive with me. Honestly, I'm ter. It's terrible because if it's not me having super anxiety about like the route I'm taking and trying to plan that ahead of time, I just have road rage. Like, <laughs> you stop too close and like in front of me and don't give me enough time, or you know, you don't signal before you turn. Um, there's actually this one intersection in my town that I've. I've literally sat in my car and yelled and I mean like yelled like it's ridiculous because it's like you're turning from this intersection. You'd be turning onto the main road, but it's a left hand turn. And the problem with it is if you're going straight, it's not a big deal. The light will pick you up, whatever. But if you're turning and you don't pull all the way up to the white line, it doesn't register that there's a vehicle there. So the light just never changes. You can sit there for like 15 minutes on a red light if you're not pulled up far enough. So sometimes people will pull into this turning lane and not get up far enough and then I come along on my way to work because that's the route I take and I'm just bopping along. Usually don't leave myself enough time because I'm also like my scheduling is terrible and so I'm late (laughs) (laughs) and I'll get behind this person who's not pulled up far enough and the light will never change and we just sit there and sit there and sit there and sit there and so I like literally the one day had my window rolled down and I had my hand shoved out the window and I was like waving the car forward and I was like honking and yelling and the person still didn't go. And so then finally someone pulled up that was going straight through and the light changed and we could go. But only one car gets through because then you don't have the advance on the turn. And so I was like, I think that's the, the most angry I've ever been <laughs> in my car in a situation. I was lo- losing my mind. But yeah, just don't drive with me. I'm just not...
0: <laughs> but what if that was you? What if you were the one and someone was behind you and like honking at you and waving? At I you? literally
1: thought about it because, like, in that situation, I was like, would I prefer someone to sit behind me and wave and honk or to get out of their vehicle and walk up? Because if I got out of my car and walked up, I know that if I was the person sitting in that other vehicle, I'd be 10 times more threatened by someone walking up to my car than some idiot behind me honking and waving, right? So I was like, I'll just do, I'll just be aggressive. But the least amount of aggressive that I can be is like staying in my own car and waving at you to go forward. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I'm just, it's just not a good time. So
0: I think for me, um, driving is also one of my fears, but it's weird because it didn't used to be. And I think because growing up in Canada, the roads there, they're so big. They're so, they just make sense. I feel like every single road is like, perpendicular with another road i also feel like it's and kind of
1: like idiot proof driving here right like we have huge big signs. obvious signs and we like, don't have stop signs in the netherlands yeah that's There's no stop no signs. that's terrifying to me because i barely stop at stop signs when they're marked <laughs> i'm not <laughs> yeah you
0: just need to know here like you need to know when you have the right of way and when you don't and in canada it's just like, oh, I just stop at this stop sign. And that's all I have to do. And if someone's not coming, then I can go. But no, here, you need to know. And um, yeah, learning that was just interesting.
1: For me. Honestly, like traffic is so different in Europe anyways. And I feel like in Canada, there's a lot more because we have everything so clearly marked out. And it's probably the same in the States. It's a lot of stop and go traffic. And you, like, have opportunity to, like... I, I remember being in Europe and, like, looking around at, like, the road situation and being, like, oh, I can cross the street. And, and starting to cross. And I almost got hit by, like, seven mopeds. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no, I was... <laughs> come out quickly. I was wrong. Really do. <laughs> I was terribly incorrect. <laughs> no one follow me. Um.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, that was... Even bikes here in the Netherlands, I cannot tell you how many bikes have almost hit me just because I accidentally walked into like a bike
1: lane. (laughs) You just stumble into like
0: their, oh, hello. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it looks like a sidewalk, but no, it's a bike lane. And then if you step in it, like things will not go well for you. So I think the thing that scares me the most about driving in the Netherlands, it's mostly the city centers. I will not drive in a city center without my GPS turned on. And highways are no problem. I know a lot of people have trouble on highways, but I don't. It's just the stupid little city centers that they have here where like one side of the road is on one side of the canal. The other side of the road is on another side of the canal. And there's certain roads where I remember one time with my driving instructor, he we came to this one intersection and he was like, oh, at this intersection... You have to drive on the curb. That's the only way to do it. And I was like, "What? Why? Why do you have a road where you need to drive on the curb?" Yeah, like in so Canada, like, if you
1: hit the curb, you're do you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. It's
0: <laughs> <That's> not. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, "If you come here on your test, just drive on the curb like this." And I'm like, "Okay, I will do that." But weird. <laughs> the roads are so skinny here. To the they feel like they're for for one car, like one lane. But nope, you have to like squeeze by other
1: cars, and sometimes drive in the curb and
0: yeah, sometimes drive on the curb. And even if you're doing a three point turn, you have to hit the curb. That's the goal. And I did that on my driving. Again, test.
1: though, I... if you hit the curb in Canada in your three point turn, you're not gonna pass. You're doing it wrong. Doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> one
0: time, actually, this has happened to me a couple times. Um, I have turned the wrong way down a one way road and in the little town that I live in that happened to me. I turned the wrong way. I noticed like instantly, but I was already on the road. So I just pulled over to the side of the road and I phoned my boyfriend and I was like, You have to come pick me up. I am not moving from this spot.
1: <laughs> did he oh, did he know guy. like exactly where you were and be like, ah, oh, you're down that? <laughs> You're down that You're one down street. That weird. You're down that street. On that weird street. Yeah, he, he jogged and he came and picked me up. <laughs> I mean, like, it's probably not as bad as you, but I also, like, <clears throat> I can't drive in city centers like Toronto. Um, I'm okay in smaller cities around us, but Toronto, like, I will literally just, like, drive my car to the subway station and subway into Toronto. But that also gives me anxiety because... I have to have my car near me and I have to be able to get back to it because what if there's not a bathroom and <laughs> and I need to find one. And we know you. Yeah. And I need, and I need my car to get there. And so like, it really stresses me out just a general trip to Toronto um, because like of the fact that like, Hey, I probably won't take my car into that hellhole of a city <laughs> because Toronto is also terrible for like one way streets and, you know, roads that seem to lead nowhere. And Tons of pedestrians that I can just not see because I'm not used to looking for them and hit them, and that's, you know, not great. Mm-hmm. And then, like, also with Toronto, like the amount of times I- I'm heading there for like a sporting event or a concert or whatever. And no matter how many times I've been in the Rogers Center, uh, Sky Dome, for those of you who remember it as that, or the uh, ACC, the Air Canada Center, as many times as I've been in those buildings, I still like walk in and I'm like, I don't know where I am and I don't know where the bathrooms are. And what if I get into my seat and it's so far away from the bathroom that I can't make it there and it takes me like hours and then I miss the entire event or I go and I'm fine and I get there and then I come back and try to get to my seat and I lose the people that I'm with. (laughs) just lost in toronto on my own i hate that so yeah toronto in general for me is just like usually i will avoid going to toronto if i can big city you're clearly a small town girl definitely definitely um kind of in the same vein of things because usually usually this happens to me in toronto like we'll go out to eat or whatever at a restaurant I hate I love going to restaurants. I love like the atmosphere and being with the people and like everything but i there's certain things about restaurants that like I've developed like weird little like I have to first thing upon going in, I have to suss out the bathroom situation, where are they at what am I doing and and that like I mean restaurants in general, getting to the restaurant washroom freaks me out because there's always going to be like the waitress with like 17 plates on her little tray and then she's going to run into me <laughs> and I'm going to knock everything over and I'm still going to have to go to the bathroom and I'll have to run away from this giant mess that I just made. Or my other weird fear about restaurants is, and I, I don't know how true this is for the rest of the world, but I found a lot of the times in Canada, um, the washrooms are very close to like the kitchen. So I'll like go to go to the washroom and be like, what if I get the wrong door? And I just end up in the kitchen and I'm standing with a bunch of people trying to do their jobs. And I'm just like, hello, I have to, <laughs> I have to use your facilities. And I'm like, also, I just bumped
0: into your waitress. Yeah, she's,
1: she's currently concussed on the floor if you want to go help her. um, And I mean, like, honestly, if that's like my worst case scenario is that I end up in a kitchen, that's not that terrible. But my brain like panics about it. And it's like, that can't happen. You can't, how awkward would that be if you got into a kitchen and just had to... <laughs> stand there. Uh well that's
0: the thing about irrational fears, right? They don't make any sense. Yes. They're just weird weird little quirks that we worry about
1: i mean the other thing in restaurants that drives me nuts is like there's like maybe five restaurants that i'm comfortable enough in that i know my order and i know what i like and like what and and then if i go somewhere else that i don't know my order i mean like picking something new who knows what's in that food there could be cilantro and i hate cilantro and it's gonna be terrible (laughs) and and then my other thing is that i don't send food back so if i get the dish with cilantro in it i guess who's eating it me even though i hate it and it's terrible or like you know, if, if my meat comes out cooked the wrong tender, like I'll eat it. it. It was supposed to be medium rare, but you did it blue. I'll eat it, blood and all. Get it in me because I'm never going to send my food back. There's a hair or wilted lettuce in my salad. I'll just push it to the side and eat on through. It's <laughs> there will never be a time when I'm going to complain to you that my food is not good. It's just not in me. So, I mean, kind of in the same vein as like not sending my food back to complain about it. I also like growing up had a hard time going to friends' houses if I hadn't been there before or if it was, like, a new friend because I hated not knowing where their, like, water and food and stuff was, and I'm not going (laughs) to ask for it. So, like, I'd be so hungry and so thirsty, and I would just sit there and be like, I'm just going to wait for my friend to crack. They've got to get hungry soon, and then as soon as they (laughs) ask for food, I'll be like, Yeah! popcorn thank you i'm allergic to it but i didn't know it at the time so popcorn was fun um (laughs) it was still a good time for me then it's not now um but yeah no i honestly i honestly would rather sit there and dehydrate than tell you that i'm thirsty (laughs) I, I, i can just picture you I will become one of those sponges that you have to add water to before it resumes its natural shape before I'll even mention there's a tickle in my throat. Like, (laughs) I will be a desiccated husk on your couch before I interrupt a conversation that you're having to tell you that I need a sip of water. (laughs) Like, that's just what's going to (laughs) happen. I'm like, I'm such a person of creature comforts. Like, at my own house, I'll always have water near me or I'll go and grab a bag of marshmallows and like, feast on them for a little while and I'll be happy and whatever because that's like my I can't do that at someone's house when I don't know where their food supply is. I can't just go rummaging through someone's cupboards. I need them to speak up first or I will just literally perish at their home from lack of food and water because nobody ever asked me
0: but I can actually picture you it would be so funny if you like rummaged through their cupboard just
1: midnight I'm up because everybody else is asleep and I'm like I haven't eaten in hours I'm just trying to like find their cookies yeah that would be my life because I literally won't say it I would go to bed hungry and wait until everyone fell asleep and rummage through your cupboards rather than tell you that I don't know where your food is <laughs> So, I hope you're prepared like a weird for that, mouse yeah, it's terrible. Move
0: into their walls
1: live there. <laughs> I mean like those house hippo commercials that we used to have in Canada. <laughs> I just have like a bed made out of like dryer lint in your <laughs> in your closet, and I come out and steal your peanut butter. <laughs> That's it. Leave little peanut butter <laughs> Yeah, my little peanut butter footprints in the house. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't know what's happening right now, uh, there used to be a commercial in Canada that was just kind of displaying uh, how the media could uh, uh, influence you and tell you something wasn't true when it was. And so there was this little creature that they called a house hippo and it, like, lived in your house. And they, like, described all these things that the house hippo did. And then at the very end of it, they showed you that it had been, like, a superimposed image and was, like, not real at all. And it was from Concerned Children's Advertisers in Canada. Um, but, yeah, that's what I was just talking about. There's we a commercial. That commercial. You should just YouTube it. Or we can put it, maybe we can put a link in the blog if we can find it um
0: yeah or let's put it on instagram or something
1: yeah if you want to if you want to look at the house hippo
0: (laughs) i liked that commercial it was so it was
1: one of the good ones from our yeah and then i think another like big fear that i've developed over time because it didn't used to be like this and i think it's probably a pretty generational thing is like i can't my phone can't die my phone can't die because like, I mean, I grew up with a landline and I, that was my main phone for forever. And then in high school I did get my cell phone, but again, it was just a pay as you go phone. And it was just for texting. Once I went to university, this thing became like a part of me. (laughs) It became, and I think Mm -hmm. that kids like, That are growing up now that have had phones all along probably understand this a little better than someone who is maybe a little bit older and does have, like, the landline situation still. Because, like, I still do to this day have a landline, but honestly, my cell phone is, like, my main phone. That's where you get me. That's, like, every piece of information that's relayed, it comes through there. So that's my life. like, my brain is in my phone. That's where it lives. Yes, for sure. (laughs) And so... um. In university, and Courtney like will remember this story because this is like probably one of the worst ones, and it has made this fear like such a real thing for me. Emily's parents phoned me. <laughs> no,
0: they didn't phone me. They messaged me on Facebook, looking for were, me. Like, yeah, we can't find Emily. Where is she? And I'm like, uh. It's I don't because know. <laughs> I invoked
1: terror in them. Um, so I went to Toronto, and I can't remember for what, but I went alone. It was just me, and I think I took. A go train. And and to my credit, well, first a go bus to the go train into Toronto. But to my credit, what I did, and this was like, yay for smart, paranoid Emily, um, I bought a day pass for the go bus, which just meant like I could get onto like any go transit for the entire day. It didn't matter how many buses I took or, like, whatever. It was just good for the day. Which is probably, like, the smartest thing I've ever done in my entire life. So if you have that option when you're traveling, always take it because it <laughs> saves you. Um, So I... And a little foreshadowing for the rest of the story, too. So I took a... I think I took a bus, just a bus on the way there. And it went right into Union, maybe? Or maybe the GO station in particular. Anyways, I ended up in Toronto and... I wasn't exactly sure of the best way to go home, what bus I would catch, where I would have to like connect, whatever, because I don't think there was ever a straight shot from Toronto to the university. And so, um, I went to the lady at the counter who's supposed to have the information, the smart lady behind the counter, ah, God of all. So I went to the counter and I said, like, I'm trying to get back to my university at the end of today. What is the best way to do that? Like, what is the easiest, best way? And she was like, oh, it's really simple. You go to um, Union Station and you're going to catch the GO train and it's going to take you into Milton. It will drop you in Milton and then you can pick up a connection on a bus that's going to go back to your university. And I was like, cool, that's easy. That's simple. So I did my whole day in Toronto, got on the GO train, zoomed into Milton, got off. My phone dies, like, as I'm at this station. And then it goes, like, this little announcement comes up and it's like, this was the last train of the day departing. And it, like, left, blew off into a gust of wind back to toronto and i was like well shit that's ominous (laughs) and so then i'm like wandering around the terminal looking for the bus that i'm supposed to take and i'm not seeing it anywhere there's nothing all of these other buses are going the complete opposite direction or like not going anywhere near where i need to go and so i'm like and i'm pretty sure because from what i remember of those buses if the destination was my university it would have said the university's name up there yeah it didn't say that none of them said that and so i'm like um, this is bad, and so I start looking around because I'm like, I need an adult at this point in my life. When I was an adult, I need a different adult to help me, and there was no one. Like the terminal was closed, there was nobody available. So I panicked and did whatever wh- what any other like twenty some odd year old person does, and I called my parents because <laughs> help from a payphone though. <laughs> like I called them from a payphone, and then I don't think they answered because a it's a weird number was B. it a collect call I think so I didn't I didn't have money on me so yeah I collect called my parents from a payphone in Milton and left an answering machine like message that was just me like crying and being like I don't know where I am I'm in Milton can someone come get me I don't have money <laughs> and like I left it at that Come get
0: me in Milton Yeah
1: come leave your home drive all the way It's like so far from my It's like an hour and 40 minutes or something From my house to Milton Um, <laughs> So I was like crying on the phone Hung up because I didn't get anyone I think I tried to call them like three times and left various messages of distress on their (laughs) answering machine. Then I gave up because they weren't answering. And so I just was like, what do I even do? And there was no buses left. Like nothing was left at this terminal. So I literally just like sat down on a bench and was like crying, like bashing my phone off the ground trying to get it to work. Like it was I was a mess. And then a bus pulled up. And thank goodness, this driver was, like, the nicest man ever because he opens the door, sees me in, like, a full-on breakdown phone trashing situation and was like, are you okay? I was like, no, of course I'm not okay. Do you see the situation that's happening right now? (laughs) I was like, no, I'm not okay. Then he was like, well, where are you trying to go? So I told him and he was like, oh, well, I don't know why she would have told you that because that bus only runs on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And this day was neither a Tuesday nor a Thursday. um. So he was like, she, <laughs> that d- she, that, she messed me up. So he was like, yeah, that bus doesn't run. Like, it wouldn't even have been here. I, you couldn't have missed it. And so he's like, what you're going to have to do is get back onto this bus, which is then going to go to Square One, which High World, Square One is in Mississauga, which is basically Toronto, which is basically where I just came from. So I had to get back on the bus and go back to square one. And then I had to wait at square one for a connecting bus back to the university to get back. So it ended up being like four and a half or five hours on what should have been like an hour bus ride back home. Uh, and then once we got there, like, I still had to walk myself from campus back to our house with a dead phone and then go in my house and like plug it in and charge it, like wait for it to get enough signal so I could call my parents and tell them I wasn't dead in a ditch because I basically made it seem that way crying in Milton. (laughs) Because what was I going to do? Like get a hotel room in Milton overnight? Like, no, thank you. No offense to anyone who lives there. I'm sure it's a lovely place, but I was in a really dark situation. (laughs) And now I'm like, just scarred by Milton. Anytime someone says it, I'm like, ugh, I hate Milton. But it's really just because (laughs) I got stuck there one time. You almost lived there. I almost lived there forever because that's honestly what would have happened. I would have given up and become the Milton Street kid who lives at the bus terminal. And she's just this grubby little gremlin running around with a (laughs) blackberry bold. Because that's what I had at the time. Thanks, she Blackberry. She showed
0: up one day. Yeah. No <laughs>
1: one knows where she came from. She won't leave. We've tried to get her a cab somewhere. And she just keeps saying she doesn't have money. I don't... Yeah, that's how street people happen. And it would have been that lady's fault. It's all her fault.
0: <laughs> it's all that lady's fault. I wonder if she had, like, a moment of clarity. Like, after, like I, after I left? After you left? Yeah, just be like...
1: <gasps> I gave her wrong information. I've sent that
0: poor I... girl... <laughs> I've created a Milton Street Lady.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was inches away from becoming, like, the bag lady of Milton. Uh, you know.
0: I had a similar situation happen to me, actually. um, My phone always dies, and you would get so mad at oh me. Oh my that. god,
1: like, she would message me, and it's at, like, 2%, and I was like, can you just plug it in? <laughs> I'm so stressed out, can you just plug your phone in? I hate it.
0: I had a really old iPhone, and... It died on me all the time. It didn't even last uh, more than a few hours. But I was on a train in the Netherlands and I was going somewhere. I don't remember where. And my boyfriend was going to pick me up. But there was a whole bunch of construction happening. So it was going to take less time if I got off the train earlier and my boyfriend picked me up at an earlier stop. So I told him to drive to Utrecht and to pick me up there. And I warned him that my phone was about to die. I was like, okay, like, no big deal. My phone's going to die, but I'll find you at this train station. What I didn't know was that this train station was like bigger than an airport. It was gigantic. <laughs> and I got there. I think I had about two seconds where I sent him a picture of like where I was standing. Uh, and then my phone died. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, I don't know how to find my boyfriend here. So uh, similar to you, I just sat myself down on a bench and I pouted a little bit because sometimes all you can do is sit
1: on a bench and cry when you don't have a phone and no one knows where you are yeah it's just how it works out. I did
0: I was like I'm just lost here now <laughs> I'm a lost toy
1: I live here this bench is my home <laughs> and my poor
0: boyfriend he was so worried I saw him like speed up in his car and like park somewhere he wasn't allowed to park and then hop out and like clearly was like frantically looking for probably me probably
1: because he knew that you'd be crying on a bench somewhere <laughs>
0: yeah and i like saw him in the distance so i just like gathered my things and probably had some like chips that i got to <laughs> just hide snacking me over you're you're crying trying, and snacking at the same time and snacking i was in the process of becoming a bag lady yeah so your I
1: first... Had my first oh bag. your first
0: bag yeah <laughs> my first bag it's so cute but I saw him, so I gathered my things up, and I just kind of sadly walked over to him like a little Charlie Brown the, Yeah, I was
1: going like, to say the oh. Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I got found, so. I don't know why it's so stressful, but getting lost, to me, is really my biggest fear. I mean, I'm really directionally challenged. It is my my true flaw. Like, I'm, you know, I'm pretty average at most things, but...
1: Yeah. I cannot I can attest I to that. You, there's been many a time when we've been together and I'm like fine, know my way walking in front of you and people are like, "Excuse me, ma'am, do you need help?" to you like in the background.
0: People ask me <laughs> if I need help because I look lost. I look like I don't know where I am and like I'm not supposed to be wherever I am. Like I look like a helpless little child. To be fair, to be
1: fair, they're not far off. <laughs>
0: I have to have my GPS basically with me at all times. But even when you do have
1: GPS, I mean, well, it wasn't GPS to be fair, but you did still get lost with a map. (laughs) So that
0: was MapQuest. That doesn't count. I had to print off directions. (laughs) Emily is talking about the time. We're aging
1: ourselves a little bit in talking about a time Before Google Maps existed.
0: Yeah, this, okay, I'll tell this story. I got lost for a very long time and I was just convinced that, yeah, I was just going to have to sleep on the street and I was going to be lost forever. But this was when I first moved to university. So new city, a place I'm not familiar with. This was also, I'm aging myself again. This was when people still bought those like seasons of DVD packages. I still do it. You're not aging
1: yourself at all. I still do it. (laughs)
0: Well, I don't, but I did at this point and a new season of The Office had just come out and I wanted it and I phoned the mall and I asked if they had a copy and they did. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to do a really quick trip over to the mall. I'm just going to pick this up and I'm going to be back in a flash. Real quick. (laughs) It's going to be real quick. So I printed off some MapQuest directions to get me to the mall because I had no clue where I was. It took me, I think, I don't know, about 20 minutes to drive to the mall. I was in the mall for about 10 minutes collecting my little DVDs. And then it took me more than three hours to get home. (laughs) I got so lost. And it was because... I didn't print out MapQuest directions for the way home.
1: (laughs) And like anyone, uh, so anyone familiar with like Kitchener area would probably understand this a little bit. But when you go to the one mall that she went to um, Fairview, it's like pretty straightforward to get there. You just get off the highway. Um, But when Mm -hmm. you're coming back, you have to like, you don't just get off the highway where you got on the highway. Yeah. I couldn't find the, the entrances are different. Yeah. Like it, I couldn't find it. I think you have to, like, go down a separate street and, like, turn around and come back and to pick up your highway entrance. Like, you can't just get on where you came off. It doesn't work that way, Um which is how it works most other places in Canada. Like, when you, you exit the highway, there's usually an entrance right there. So you can just get off and on at the same spot. But, yeah, this was – it's a little different. And, yeah, I just – I remember that I was – um I think I was with Brie, and we had gone down for dinner or something and I was like, wasn't Courtney supposed to be back like a long time ago?
0: <laughs> no, Courtney's lost forever now. <laughs> Courtney lives on the street now. And to
1: like and to date this even more, like I'm I'm pretty sure the phone you were using was an LG chocolate at the time. So you couldn't even yes, like there was no was. There was no getting on your phone GPS or anything like that. Like, this was, like, way back. I
0: also pulled the phone my mom crying card. (laughs) This was like, I'm lost. Mom, help me. I have to drop out of university now because I don't know where I am and I can't find my way back. I'm just
1: going to keep driving until I hit something familiar and that might be years. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I just drove in the direction that I thought the university was in. But the problem with me is that, if I think it's in a certain direction, I should just always go the opposite because I'm never right. Never. So I have no idea where I ended up. I eventually asked someone for directions and I was like, please just point me in the direction. Just take me and university. turn me
1: bodily me. to where I need to walk <laughs> and I'll go that way. I have this I have this memory
0: when I was like five years old of... I went to Chuck E. Cheese for a birthday party. This was the only time I've ever been at Chuck E. Cheese in my entire life. I mean, life. well,
1: you've been one more time than I have then because <laughs> I've never been. I feel robbed. I feel robbed of the experience.
0: No, don't. I don't think it was. I don't think it was very pleasant. But I just remember there was this huge, like it looked huge to me as a five-year-old. This big jungle gym play area type thing. It had tunnels. It had slides. Everyone was going and playing in it. And I did not go. I did not go even once. And I just remember staring at it and having this feeling like, if I go in there, I am never coming out. <laughs> I'm going to get lost in there and I'm never going to come out. You're just going to
1: be an adult in the Chuck E. Cheese play area, coaxing <laughs> children to bring you food every time they come through. Sneak some pizza in. <laughs>
0: Even at, like, such a young age, I just knew that, like, getting lost was my problem.
1: Well, and so, like, I, I also have, like, a weird fear about getting getting locked in a store after they close. And, <laughs> and I feel as, like this is going to make me sound like a terrible person, but I've locked people in my store after close before twice. And so, like, now I'm like, it can happen. Like, I've seen it happen. I did it. So I know. And I'm just like oh I'm absolutely terrified that I'll just like I'll hear that closing announcement and I panic and I like grab all my stuff and I know I still have like I I do the closing announcements at my own store I know that we do them like 15 minutes 10 minutes five minutes before like you have multiple announcements to get to the front and then even after we make another announcement we walk around the store we make sure everyone's out like you have time but I panic and I'm like oh my god I have to (laughs) get all of my stuff (laughs) gather my things like a little gremlin run to the front I'm ready um your bags. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, it's just terrible. And I know, I know that like, but so the two women that I actually, it was in two different locations, which makes it even, even worse. Um, The first one was when I first started and I was in the city. We had locked up and it was like just me and a manager left in the store and we were doing the final walk and we found some like little old woman, very short, very deaf old woman in the bakery like cradling a thing of bread like my bread i need to buy my bread and i was like we're closed <laughs> we've been closed for a while this is us making Do you sure you realize
0: you're trapped in yeah here?
1: like we could have armed the store and you'd be done this would be a where the heart is situation and
0: <laughs> you'd be giving yeah birth. i mean not at her
1: age but yeah <laughs> essentially and so that like that was scarring to me and then I came and I started working in town at the same like chain but I was just I had transferred. And um I did it again. Like I and this time because the managers left before us in this store so it was just me and then I had like our night crew on who are unhelpful and in the back unloading like they're not on the floor paying attention to like little old women lost in the store. And I came down <laughs> and she's like a regular. She's the nicest lady ever, but she regularly comes in at like 10:45 and the store would close at 11. I made these announcements and I didn't know she was in the store and I went upstairs and everybody else was gone and I gathered like my purse and my belongings and like whatever and I came down to like leave for the night and lock up. And she was down in the middle of our self-serve checkouts arguing with our very Spanish-speaking floor cleaners who don't speak English <laughs> at all. Like, they are on, like, a crew of, like, five people, and, like, three of them speak English, kind of, not really, it's not their first language. And then, like not, like, the other two, not at all. So these two women who don't speak English at all are trying to, like calm this woman down and get her out of the store and she's got like a box of cookies (laughs) she's just like i need to buy my cookies i've been locked in the gotta have some oh my god so i had to like open a till and cash her out but i was like that's the second time i've so it's possible it's possible for me to lock someone in a store it's possible to get locked in a store i'm terrified of it
0: (laughs) what do you think would happen to you if you were in that just okay so here's the thing
1: right like you're in the store you know that all stores nowadays have alarms motion sensors Various different things. So, a either I am going to set off all the alarms and the cops are going to come, and I am going to have to explain why I was such a dum dumb that I got locked in a store overnight and and like inconvenienced everyone in the world to come get me out like a little uh, anyway, or I am going to have to eat <laughs> my way through that store, praying they have food, and then I am like they'll come in in the morning and it's just going to be me and like seven boxes of animal crackers. And I'll be like they're <laughs> empty, but I owe you for them. Like it's not gonna be good I'm gonna eat to survive so (laughs) a little theft and then I'll pay you back at the end of it but yeah like I just Uh, and then I mean hand in hand with that another grocery store one is like I'm terrified of knocking over displays of stuff like you see in the movies, people do it. They, like, run through a grocery store and they're like, oh, they hit a paper towel display and the paper towels go everywhere. And you're like, oh, no, <laughs> I would hit, I would hit the stack of glass jars. I would hit the pickles. I would hit the sauces and it would just go everywhere. And then I'd just be standing in a river of pickle juice, picking up shards of glass because I'm not going to walk away from that. And now I'm probably bleeding, too. So I'm a health hazard. <laughs> like, there's just so many things that I see going wrong. <laughs> And then, like, just to end this whole thing, just falling over in general. Just, like, walking and falling. I have, like, visions of myself, like, rolling an ankle and falling off of a curb into traffic. Well, that did happen to you before. <laughs> it was on ice. That time was on ice. And, and yes, I did go in front of a whoosh in front of a car. Um, But, yeah, no, I actually, like, just on solid ground, regular weather, good shoes. And I have, like, these visions of me just, like, rolling my ankle and flailing into traffic. And, yeah. And I'm like, I die. That's the end of it, is the death.
0: <laughs> okay, but here's my question. Have you ever not done something that you wanted to do because of your fear? Other than letting your G2 expire
1: twice. <laughs> I don't know that that was something that I wanted to do. I didn't want my license. Um, I mean, like, kind of. Because, like, there are situations where I know, like, specifically, like, if it's in Toronto and it's with someone like say like originally like a group of 4 of us was going or something and then two people backed out and it's so like just me and another person that I'm not super comfortable with and they don't know that I have bathroom issues and they don't know that I have restaurant issues and like whatever then there's a very good chance that I might be like uh something came up and I have to like wash my cows or like whatever and I can't make it <laughs> like and so like there have been times when I've like definitely canceled on people because I was just like super uncomfortable and and anxious about the upcoming situation so yeah in certain ways, but also like I'm an introvert. So canceling plans doesn't really hurt me. It's kind of just like a little bonus. It feels great. Yeah. It feels great. It's like a, it's a, my shoulders go whoosh and raise back up. And then I curl up in a blanket and uh, sip on a hot chocolate through a swirly straw with my marshmallows all night long. Because guess what? I'm in my own house and I could find my own food and I didn't have to dehydrate. That's the answer to all of this is just Emily stays home under a blanket.
0: So how would you overcome a fear like this? I mean, if you have a really irrational fear that you want to get over, but it's hard, what do you have to do?
1: They say exposure. They say do it over and over and over again until it's not scary. But that's terrible advice coming from me because I'm going to avoid the things that make me uncomfortable at all costs, as we've just discussed. I will drive for I will drive for 10 extra minutes to not have to turn the way I don't want to turn. So don't listen to me.
0: All right. Well, there you have it. Emily's list of fears. I mean, you had some too. You had a couple. Do you guys have any weird fears? Let us know. Let Emily know she's not the only one.
1: I can't have seven and have the rest of the world have zero. So.
0: (laughs) And we're going to leave it there for this week. So it's almost one in the morning. I'm going to go edit this episode. It's going to come out in five hours
1: go us the things we do for you
0: this is our first time being at the very last yeah the last minute we have been really good at recording and keeping on track of shit but these past few weeks have just wrecked us and extenuating circumstances
1: of terrible audio have you know caused problems yes
0: but hopefully next week will be normal And uh, the week after.
1: And you guys can enjoy the results of Courtney's hard overnight labor where she doesn't sleep at all.
0: Yeah, all right, so we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you're Mostly Awkward and want to hear more, please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of the Mostly Awkward Podcast. New ones are out every Tuesday, and they're available now for free
1: on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to chat? Email us at mostlyawkwardpod at gmail.com, or follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Reddit at Mostly Pod, or Twitter at Mostly Pod.
0: For a full list of episodes, more deets, or to see what's coming next, visit our website,
1: mostlyawkwardpod.com. This has been a presentation of Mostly Awkward Media. See you next week. week!